I am so thankful that we get to get together as a youth group on Wednesday nights. Anybody else thankful for that? I love it. You guys are awesome. There's no better place that I'd rather be other than heaven. Fair enough. Right? Um, on a Wednesday night at this time, then right here with all of you. I love you guys. Mariah loves all of you as well. We're praying for you. We're here for you. And our youth team is as well. Um, why don't we just go ahead and just pray one more time before we get started. Lord, thank you for this night. Thank you for bringing us all together here. I thank you, Lord, for your word that you are um, about to reveal to us. And God, I pray that we would receive it with open hearts, be open-minded, and allow you to speak to us tonight and just change our lives, transform our lives. We love you and we thank you, Father, for all things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we are going to be in Matthew chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there with me. Um, tonight, there will be no media whatsoever. Just a decision that I made at the last second. I have a PowerPoint and everything prepared, but we're just throwing it out the window for right now. Sound good? All right. Kicking it old school. I'm thankful for all of this stuff, but sometimes I feel like it can maybe be somewhat distracting. So we're just kicking it old school tonight. So I have a question for you. Um, what is your favorite kind of bread? Brioche. Tacos. Brioche? Tacos. Tacos isn't bread. <laughs> favorite kind of bread. It can be, okay, let me qualify this. It can be, it can be a bread, it can be homemade bread, it can be a bread you buy from the store, it could be a bread at your favorite restaurant, because sometimes that makes the restaurant. Julie has her hand up in the back. Hawaiian bread? The rolls? Hawaiian rolls? Oh, yeah. Go ahead, Mia. Sourdough bread. Let's go. A baguette. Texas toast. That's a good one. Jesus. Jesus. Colts are keeping it real tonight. I love it. I love it. Ooh, all right. Ooh, a croissant. All right, last one. Banana bread. Ooh, banana bread. Going a little fruity. I like it. Okay, so a few things that come to mind for me when I think of bread is I immediately think of, um, like, Fazoli's breadsticks, which are kind of, I would define them as greasy goodness. Um, however, if you eat one, you're going to regret it later. Um <laughs> Also, there's Olive Garden breadsticks. Anybody a fan of Olive Garden breadsticks? All right. Olive Garden breadsticks. Okay, here's one. Here's one, okay? This was the big one. This was the first one that came into my head before all the others. Like, it's just an automatic. Um, uh, Texas Roadhouse. Right? With that cinnamon butter. Oh, man. You want to talk about something that, like, they fill you up right away before you get your steak. And then you eat, like, you know, maybe a third of your steak. Unless you're a real man. Some of you out there can probably take, like, a, like a whole thing. I can't. I'm a real boy! Anyway. Um, 
Okay, but one of my other favorites is this. Okay? Jimmy John's bread. You can... You can... (laughs) I've never heard of Jersey Mike's before. It doesn't exist. Um, Okay, but in all seriousness, I love Jimmy John's bread. You give me a fresh loaf... Levi's with me. He's with me. Fresh loaf of Jimmy John's bread with some soup and football on a Sunday afternoon, you're speaking my language. You are speaking my language. So we all, well, the Packers, of course, not the Raiders. Um, All right. So anyway, we all here seem to enjoy bread. And and we, we love, we love what bread brings us. We love the Texas Roadhouse and the cinnamon butter and all that good stuff. Well, bread in the Bible is also a very important topic. And people loved bread in the Bible. Um, One area that we could go to in Scripture right off the bat representing bread would be manna. Anyone heard of manna before? Does anybody know what it is? Does Does anyone know what the word manna means? What is it? Nutrition, like your daily vitamins and all that, whatever. Nope. <laughs> Does it have to do with honey? Like it tastes like honey? Yeah, good. That's very good. Tastes like honey? It's bread made by man. Bread made by man. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> Quite the opposite, actually. <laughs> all right, so manna, the word manna actually means. What is it? It, what is it? No, I'm giving it to you. What is it? It means what is it? Because the people of Israel, when they saw manna, when they saw manna for the first time, you can read this in your Bible in Exodus. They looked at it and they said, "What is it?" They didn't know what to make of it. Now, this is what manna uh, represents and what the purpose of manna was in Scripture. So when the Israelites were led out of their 400 years of captivity to Egypt, God led them through a wilderness. And in this wilderness, there was like no food for them to eat. And so the people, they obviously got desperate for food and they started complaining that they didn't have any food. And so God said, okay, I will provide food for you. And he gave this word to Moses that Moses could pass on to the people. And he told them every morning, There's going to be fresh manna everywhere on the ground. And your people are to pick all of the manna up that it will be just enough for their household to feed them for that day. And then the next day, guess what God's going to do? When they wake up, there's going to be more manna on the ground. So as they're going through this wilderness experience to keep the people from starvation, God provided miraculously bread literally from heaven. Bread from heaven just appeared and it was basically like a it's kind of like a flatbread or like a wafer and it tasted it had it had a honey taste to it it was sweet like honey and um, the bible also describes it as the bread of angels so i'm pretty sure we could all agree that if we had some manna right here right now it would probably put all of your suggestions and mine to shame including texas roadhouse rolls Now, the main thing that manna represents scripturally is it represents provision. 
So bread in the Bible, the main meaning for it is provision. So when we read in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 11, give us this day our daily bread, it's talking about a daily provision. Daily provision. Now somewhere else in scripture where we find provision is when we think about the story of Abraham and Isaac. Who know, who's familiar with it? Show of hands, Abraham and Isaac. All right. You should be. We've talked about it before. Um, and it's a very commonly used passage. Um, it's found in Genesis 22, the story of Abraham and Isaac. Now, Abraham was an old man. little history on Abraham. Old man. He's married to a old woman. Okay? So think about your grandma and your grandpa right now. Okay? We're talking like 70s. Okay? Anybody have grandparents in their 70s? All right? All right. Well, you don't have to tell, I'm sorry if they're dead, but you don't have to tell me they're dead. But I'm sorry that they're dead. Anyway, grandparents in their 70s. Um, imagine if God came to your, grand, your grandparents and said, you're going to have a child. What? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> like, this makes no sense. That's exactly what God did to Abraham and Sarah. He promised them that they would have a child. The problem is they were in their 70s and Sarah couldn't have kids. She couldn't have kids. She was barren. So anyway, they waited several years and eventually God provided them with their son. And their son's name was? Isaac. Well, Jesus is connected there, but anyway, their son's name was Isaac. And so in this part of our story, you have Abraham and you have Isaac. Isaac is, it's estimated in his 20s, and he and Abraham have been having an awesome time as a father and son doing father and son things, things that I could dream of doing with my son one day. Um, and one day God speaks to Abraham. And he says, Abraham, I want you to give me your son, your only son, who you love, Isaac as a burnt offering unto me. What? Exactly. And Abraham, you can imagine, I, well, I can't even begin to comprehend what this would feel like as a dad. You just gave me the promised son. I've lived with him for 20-some years. There's a big connection here, a father-son connection, and now you want me to kill my son and offer him as a sacrifice? This makes no sense. And so Abraham, as hard as it probably was for him, says, okay, Lord. And he goes outside, he chops the wood, he gets some of his servants together, and he gets Isaac, and they go on up the mountainside that God had pointed them to where he wanted him to perform the sacrifice. And as they're going up the mountainside, they reach a point where Abraham on the third day, so it's been three days of traveling, okay? Three days with it on Abraham's mind that I am going to sacrifice my son, the promised son that God gave me. Imagine that. Like, it would be bad enough to, for that to happen for 10 minutes. He's been traveling, blood, sweat, and tears, going up a mountain, and he's got to think about the fact that he's going to sacrifice his son. So they're about three days' journey up the mountainside, and he looks and he sees off in the distance, he sees the place that God has pointed out to him. And he leaves the young men behind. He says, you guys stay here. My son and I, we're going to go worship and we will return to you. And as Isaac 
with the wood on his back for the altar, goes up the mountain, and Abraham has the fire and the dagger in his hand, the knife in his hand, that he's going to use to kill his son. As they're going up the side, Isaac goes, uh, Dad, forgive me, but something's weird about this situation. <laughs> Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb? Where's the lamb? There, we have no lamb for a sacrifice. You are the shepherd of shepherds. You're the one of the wealthiest man in the, or men alive today. You have thousands of sheep, and we don't have something to sacrifice? Abraham looks at his son, and he says, Son, the Lord will provide for himself a sacrifice. And they keep marching on. And they eventually get to the place where God wanted them to perform the sacrifice. And Abraham and Isaac, they lay down the altar of wood. Isaac lays himself down. Abraham takes the rope and he ties his son down to that altar. And he pulls out the knife from its sheath. And as he holds that blade in the air and it's glinting in the sun... And just as he's about to go ahead and thrust that down into his only son, suddenly a voice cries out, Abraham, Abraham, don't lay your hand on the boy. Now I know that you fear God. And Abraham looks over his shoulder and caught in the thicket by its horns is a ram that God miraculously provided as a sacrifice. And from that day, Abraham called that location Jehovah-Jireh. Have you ever heard that before? Jehovah-Jireh? It means the Lord will provide. See, Abraham learned a very valuable lesson throughout his life. For years, he struggled with trusting God. And every single time that Abraham tried to take things into his own hands, and he tried to be provider, it all fell apart. And this was the final true test to see if Abraham really would trust God as provider. And so those words from Abraham still ring true today. God is still a provider today. Amen? He's still a provider today. God is our provider for absolutely everything. Everything. Romans 11.36 says this, For from him and through him and to him, talking about God, are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. From God, through God, to God are all things. Everything. How can this be? Simple, because he created it all. Think about it. We have to use only the things that are at our disposal. As man, we cannot speak something into existence, right? That's impossible. God on creation spoke everything into existence and created everything out of nothing. But we cannot create something out of nothing. It's impossible for man. We are, we are bound by resources. And we use resources to invent things, to create things, to use things. The clothes that you're wearing right now, that took some resources, but we made them. But God ultimately provided them for you because he provided the resources. The food that's in your belly right now, God made it. God made the fruit, he made the vegetables, he, he spoke the animals into existence. 
And then we took them, raised them, grew them, whatever, and we ate them. This building, think of all the intelligence that went into constructing a safe place for us to worship God. God created all those men with that brain and that thinking ability to create a building like this, and he created all of those materials. So God is our provider of everything. He is over absolutely everything. And that, and, and, and one other thing about that is found later on in our text in Matthew 6. If you go later on into that chapter, Jesus begins to talk about how God provides for all of you. Because some of you might be thinking in here tonight, well, I don't know, in my situation, we really don't have a lot. It really doesn't feel like God's providing much. Or maybe some, maybe God forbid, some of you in here have had some hungry nights because there's not enough food in the house. Or maybe you've got to go shopping for clothes somewhere that you feel embarrassed about. Or you're a little self-conscious of how you look. It's quite possible. Well, Jesus says this. He says, look at the birds. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. But your father still feeds them. He says, are you not more valuable than they? Think about that. Birds. What does a bird do? That's what Jesus is saying. Other than adding some sound into the air, maybe a little life in the sky, that's about it. He says, they don't, they don't do anything of real value. They don't, they don't sow anything. They don't plant anything. They don't produce anything. They don't reap anything. They don't gather anything together. But God still cares so much for those birds that he created that he makes sure that even they are provided for, that he gives them food. He goes on to say, consider the lilies of the field. He says, not even Solomon was arrayed like one of these. Solomon, the wealthiest king in the Old Testament, had all the most expensive uh, exotic garments that you could think of, all these with precious metals and, and fabrics and everything. And he says, even Solomon is not arrayed like one of these lilies. And he says, look at these lilies. They neither toil nor spin. But yet God clothes the grass of the field that one day is here and the next is going to be burned up in a furnace because it's old and it's died off. God still cares enough to clothe that field with those lilies. How much more is God concerned about clothing you? They don't serve much purpose. But God is still focused on even a little dainty flower that's growing in a field. Not only is God our provider physically for needs like our clothing, our food, a roof over our heads, uh, money in the bank account that your parents earn from a job. Not only does he provide for those things, practically speaking, but he provides for us spiritually speaking as well. Jesus says in John 6, 35, this is right after Jesus feeds the 5,000. Remember when Jesus took a boy's lunch and bushels were overflowing and he feeds 5,000 people? This just happened and the people are coming to Jesus and they're saying, we want more. We want more of this bread. Give us more bread to eat. And Jesus makes this statement to them. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus isn't saying that he is physically, literally bread. 
But he's going back to the manna. And he's saying, just like that manna fed those people, I'm the bread that comes down from heaven and is around you. And I will feed you, not physically like that manna, but I will feed you spiritually. He's, what he's saying is, when you come to me, you will be 100% totally satisfied. You will not desire anything else because I will keep you full. I will fulfill your purpose. I will fulfill your needs. I will be the provider of everything that you need mentally, spiritually, physically, all of it. You don't need to go to that website anymore to fulfill your needs or to cope. You won't need to inflict yourself with harm to relieve the stress in your life. You won't need to go to a social media page just to find some form of validation, just to build your self-esteem. Jesus is saying, you don't need any of that when you have me. You don't need a video game. You don't need another movie. You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't even need necessarily more friends because you have me. And in me, as the bread of life, you will be completely, 100% satisfied when you have me. Jesus is our everything. This is the part, though, that we tend to get wrong. In Scripture, when they saw that bread, or when you see bread throughout that, that, those passages, people are always thinking back to the manna and how all they ever ate was the bread that God provided them. Bread was the main course. And our problem in the day and age that we live in today is that we treat Jesus the same way we treat our bread. He's just another side. He's just another appetizer. He's just a nice little centerpiece of a table that's neatly decorated in a little basket. And we sit here and we take a little bit here, we take a little bit there, and then we go on and we just stuff ourselves full with all of the junk food and the garbage that's in this world, and we feed ourselves with all of these other things. Meanwhile, Jesus is sitting there staring at us going, no, 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 that's, that's not the point. I'm not, I'm not a snack that, that just gets you by from Sunday to Sunday. He's like, I am the bread. I am your everything. I am the appetizer. I'm the main course. I'm the dessert. I'm breakfast. I'm lunch. I'm dinner. I am everything for you. And when you come to me, you don't need anything else. Because you have me. We cannot keep treating Jesus like he's just on the side. Jesus needs to be our main course every single day. Just like that manna that he provided to all of those Israelites years ago. He is our spiritual manna today. He is our bread today. Bryce, if you want to come up here. Why don't we stand? Not only... Is there a connection between Jesus and that manna? But there's a connection between Jesus and Isaac and the ram. God provided a substitutionary sacrifice in place of Abraham's son, Isaac. And, and just as Jesus provided on that mountain, that ram... You know who else was provided in the same location? 
same place where Abraham called it, the Lord will provide. It's called a cross on a hill, Golgotha. And Jesus hung from that cross as the substitutionary sacrifice for you and me. When he sat around the table with his disciples, he took the bread and he broke it. And he gave it to them and said, take, eat, this is my body which will be broken for you. Because I am the bread of life. I am everything you need. You don't need to go anywhere else. But here, you come to me. If you believe that tonight and you're willing to make that kind of a commitment that, that says from the bottom of your heart, Lord, I don't need anything else from this world. I've been searching for fulfillment in all the wrong places. All I want is you. Would you lift your hands and would you begin to pray? Can we begin to pray together right now with hands raised? Use your voices. Lift them up to God. Pray sincerely and from the heart. Lord Jesus, there's nothing else in this world that will satisfy me. There's nothing else in this world that will satisfy me. Not another relationship. Not another friendship. Not another game or a movie. Not a website, God. Not a... Not another social media page, Lord. There is nothing else in this world that will satisfy me but you. And God, tonight, we're committing ourselves to you again. During this season of life, we're putting you back in the front and center. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. You can have the whole world, but give me Jesus. You can have everything, all the materials in my life. You can take it all. But all I want is Jesus. All I need is Jesus. Oh, let that be your heart cry tonight. Let that be your heart cry as we continue through this Christmas season. Keep Jesus in the central focus of your life. Continue to pray. Continue to seek the Lord. Seek his face sincerely and genuinely. Don't be satisfied until you know he has satisfied you. He will not leave you hungry. He will not leave you thirsty. He will fill you with his spirit. He will fill, fill you with his bread, with his word, with truth. He will fill you up and you will be satisfied. Continue praying.